Um, Father's Day really is the, the perfect day for our passage today in Proverbs chapter 2. If you have your copy of God's Word and you want to go ahead and find Proverbs chapter 2, we'll start there in just a moment. Now, I know we have some first-time guests here with us, so if you're joining us for the first time, uh, last week we started a brand new series called The First Nine, where we're looking at the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs. And you may be asking, why only the first nine chapters? Well, two-thirds of the book of Proverbs, basically chapters 10 through chapter 13, is a collection of what most of us think of when we think of the book of Proverbs, which is, are, are those short, poetic pieces of wisdom that, as we said, don't necessarily rhyme like English poetry, but rather rhyme similar ideas, okay? And so that's kind of the, that's two-thirds of the book of Proverbs. However, the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs are different from chapters 10 through 31. The first nine include a collection of poetic speeches, or we could say conversations from several unique characters. Last week in Proverbs chapter one, we heard a speech from a father to his son, and we also looked at a speech from Lady Wisdom. Okay, so most scholars believe the purpose of the first nine chapters in Proverbs is to help create a proper framework so that we might gain godly wisdom, right? So the first nine chapters help us receive chapters 10 through 31. And you'll remember from last week that we said we define godly wisdom as this, the capacity of the mind to understand life from God's perspective based on the truth of God's word. We said that was godly wisdom. That's what we're after. That's what we're pursuing. And in chapter one, the author of Proverbs, King Solomon told us that the beginning point of this pursuit, the beginning point of this race, the, the foundation is the fear of the Lord. And that's so important. You need to understand what the fear of the Lord is because it, it precedes everything else, okay? The fear of the Lord is this, the continual awareness and awe of God himself, his, his nature, his power, his glory, that continual awareness and awe of who he is and what he's done. And so that was last week. And then from, from there, today we move into the second chapter of Proverbs. And this entire chapter really is another speech. It's the second speech of this wise father to his son. And so before we jump in, I want to kind of set this up with a story. Okay, another story about a father. There was a father who volunteered each week to mow the grass uh, where he and his, at a little small country church where he and his family attended. And one afternoon as he was going to, to mow the grass, he decided to take his eight-year-old son with him so the son could play on the playground while the father mowed the grass. But before he started, he told his son, he sternly warned his young son to play only on the playground, not to go down to the creek below the church, but to stay behind the church where the playground was. Okay. And so uh, the boy uh, obeyed his father, walked up to the playground. But after a few minutes of, of sliding and swinging, the playground just became boring and he couldn't help but notice the creek. He couldn't help but hear the, 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 the water babbling. And there was this cool little bridge that someone had built over the creek. And so finally the curiosity got the best of him. And the little boy walked out of the playground down to the creek. And when he got there to the creek's edge, he noticed some rocks and he would pick up the rocks and he would throw them into the water. But then on the other side of the creek, he noticed some really cool, smooth, round rocks, the kind that were perfect for skipping. But he couldn't get there from where he was. The only way he could get to the other side was to cross that bridge. And so he walked over to the bridge, he grabbed the handrail, he took two or three steps onto the bridge. Now he was halfway across and suddenly the bridge buckled 
and he fell through the bridge. The little boy landed into the creek, twisting his ankle, scraping up his knees. He was soaking wet. And so he pulls himself out of the creek. He's just dripping wet. He knows what he has to do. So he begins his ascent back to his father, who's still mowing grass. The father looks at a distance and he sees his son coming, limping, bloody knees, soaking wet. The father knew exactly what had happened. He stopped the lawnmower. He said to his son, son, I, I thought I told you not to go to the creek. And the little boy said, yes, sir, you did tell me that, but you didn't tell me that the bridge was rotten. <laughs> and the father looked at his son and he thought for a moment and he gave him this wisdom. Son, I'm sorry you didn't understand what you think you thought I said, but I'm not sure you even realize that what you think you didn't hear is exactly what I meant. <laughs> that sounds like the kind of fatherly wisdom I give sometimes. <laughs> you know, when we're young, and some of you can remember when you were young, there was things that maybe a, a father said to you or a mother said to you or someone who had influence over your life. They said, don't do this or you need to do this. And at the time, it didn't seem to make any sense. You didn't understand why they were giving you that wisdom. But now that you're a little bit older, you can look back and you can see exactly what they meant when they were trying to share that wisdom with you. You know, in our life, we hear a lot of different voices that tell us to do things. Sometimes that voice is a voice of a mom or a dad. Sometimes it's a spouse, a boss, a, maybe a coworker, a friend. And most of the time, those voices have a message that stand behind them. And those messages might be helpful messages, or they may be discouraging messages. They may be good messages. They may be deceptive messages. And so the two questions that we have to ask ourselves as we go through life is, which voices am I listening to and which messages am I following? And that's really the point of Proverbs chapter two. This wise father is telling his son, there's a lot of voices out there. Son, you need to listen to the right voices and son, you need to follow the right messages if you wanna find wisdom. So let's jump in. Proverbs chapter two, the first 11 verses. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight, and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Verse six, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Now, as we look at that passage, I wanted to focus on the first four verses there. In the first four verses, the father offers these conditional statements. We might call, call them if-then statements. He says, my son, if you receive my words, if you treasure up my commandments, if you turn your ear to wisdom, if you incline your heart to understanding, if you call out for insight, if you seek it like silver, if you search for it like treasure, then some good things are gonna happen. 
In this passage, the voice of the father represents this voice of wisdom, which is calling out to his son to receive these words. And in so many ways, that is the role of a, of a parent, a father or a mother, to be a voice of wisdom to their children. Moses agreed in Deuteronomy chapter six, he wrote, and these words that I command you, mom and dad, today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. If you are a father or a mother, or if you would like to be one day, these, these four verses are in Proverbs chapter two are really great verses to pray through. As, as one who is called to be the voice of wisdom, ask yourself, how do I receive words of wisdom from the Lord? Do I truly treasure th these, this wisdom in my heart? Do, is my ear torn, turned toward God? Is my heart inclined toward his teaching? Am I truly seeking wisdom like, a, like silver or a hidden treasure? You see, if you're taking notes, to gain wisdom, we have to pursue wisdom. We have to chase after it. Words like receive, turn, call out, search, and seek. Those are all action words, meaning that, that wisdom is not something we stumble into. Wisdom is not something that falls into our lap. It's something that we chase after. It's something that we desire. It's something that we want, and so we pursue it. And so after the if part of these statements in, in, in verses one through four, after the if part comes the then part of the statements. And that's verses five through 11. These are the results that will occur when the condition is met. And, and there's two, there's two. First, the result of chasing after wisdom in verse five says this, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and there you will find knowledge. Now, remember, this is where godly wisdom begins. We already said that the starting line for wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And so if we turn, if we incline, if we seek and search, it says we will gain a deeper understanding of the Lord, meaning that we'll have deeper knowledge of who God truly is. And the reason that we can receive wisdom from God is because verse six says the Lord is the one who gives wisdom. He is the source of that wisdom. We talked about that last week. He is the source of knowledge and understanding. But wait, didn't we just say that to gain wisdom, we have to pursue wisdom? And, and so which one is it? Do we pursue it to get it or do we wait for the Lord to give it? Well, the answer is both. This is called the wisdom paradox. You see, wisdom is similar to salvation. It's both a gift to be received, but it's also something to work out with fear and trembling. We could say it like this. Wisdom is both a pursuit and a gift. Wisdom is both something that we seek, but it's also something we receive from the Lord. It's something we work toward, but it's something that we also accept freely when it's given. And so if we pursue wisdom, we will also understand the fear of the Lord. That's the first then statement, but there's a second one. The second then statement is in verse nine. It says, if you turn, if you call, if you seek, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. And so Solomon says, if we pursue wisdom, 
And if we receive wisdom from the Lord, we will be given what the introduction of Proverbs promised, which was the ability to see life and, and understand life from God's perspective. We know how to live our life according to his truth and his plan. But this process of gaining wisdom, it doesn't happen overnight. You don't pray it at night and then the next morning you wake up and all of a sudden you're wise. It doesn't happen that way. And I want to give you an illustration to help you remember this. Okay, there's a legend of an ancient king who ruled in India. He loved the game of chess. And he would challenge whoever came to visit him in a game of chess. And one day, a traveling sage from a very poor country visited the king. And as he always did, the king challenged him to a game of chess. And he was so sure that he was going to beat this poor sage that he told the sage, if you win, you can have whatever you want. And so the game ensued. And guess what? The king lost. And so true to his word, he asked the sage, what, what is it that you want? And the sage asked for one grain of rice to be placed on the first square of the chessboard and then for it to be doubled on each following square. So this request seemed pretty modest enough. And so the king ordered a bag of rice to be, to be brought in. One grain was placed on the first square, two on the second, four on the third, eight on the fourth, and so on. But quickly it became apparent that this request was impossible to meet. By the 21st square, more than 1 million grains of rice would be required. By the 31st square, there would be over a billion grains of rice. Here's the point. Small things have a big impact when they are multiplied together. That's the way wisdom works, godly wisdom. As we pursue wisdom daily... And as the Lord gives wisdom grain by grain, over time, it multiplies in our lives supernaturally, transforming our understanding and allowing us to see and live life from God's perspective. Some of you, you can look back over the years of your life and you can remember decisions you made, paths that you traveled, things you did, and you're like, what was I thinking? How could I have ever thought that that made sense? That that was a good idea? Do you know what that is? That's wisdom multiplied over the years. Where when you were younger, it made perfect sense. But now, several years down the road, you look back and say, that was the craziest thing I've ever done or thought of. That's wisdom. That's how it works in our life. That didn't happen overnight. It took time. For some of you, it took years. For some of you, it took a lot of years. <laughs> but you've seen wisdom multiply in your life. And so the voice of wisdom says, son, if, if you'll call out, if you'll incline, if you'll do the work, if you pursue wisdom, then you will receive understanding. But then in verse 12, we find some colorful imagery about some other voices that are out there. And how, how wisdom impacts those other voices. So pick up with me in verse 12. Wisdom, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of 
uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversiveness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. And so you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous for the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. So Solomon tells us here that, that wisdom can actually save us from the path of evil that leads to death. And he reveals in this passage two distinct voices that have the power to lure us to ruin or to lead us to ruin. The first voice, Solomon says, is that our, the first voice is of evil men. And Solomon says, wisdom will save us from evil men of perverted speech. That's the first voice, evil men of perverted speech. Now, the voice of evil men, their voices rival the voice of wisdom. Like the serpent in the garden of Eden, evil men distort reality by twisting the truth so it becomes a lie. That's what it means to have perverted speech. Perverse speech doesn't change the truth, but it distorts the truth where it becomes a lie. For instance, some of us may be holding hatred or bitterness in our heart towards someone that once hurt us or who betrayed us. And maybe there's someone telling you, it's okay for you to be mad. It's okay for you to be bitter at that person. It's okay for you to have hatred in your heart toward that person because of what they did to you. They deserve that hatred. They deserve that bitterness. But you see, that's a distortion of the truth of God's word that says anyone who hates his brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And no murderer has eternal life inside of them. That was the words of Jesus. There may be someone here today who thinks that their secret sin is okay because, hey, it's private. It's not hurting anyone. And the voice of the great deceiver would say, you're fine. There's no reason to confess that. It's only affecting you. That's a distortion of the truth of God's word that says your sins will find you out and whoever hides his transgressions will not prosper. You see, perverted speech tries to convince us that what is good is evil and that what is evil is good. Perverted speech twists and distorts the truth. And Solomon says... The true, the true wisdom of God is found in his word. And it's that true voice that delivers us from evil men who speak perverted words. You see, you and I live in a world, in a culture right now where the truth is constantly twisted, where the truth is constantly distorted. And there's not just one voice. There's not just 10 voices. There's tens of thousands, maybe millions of different voices every day with the click of our remote control, the click of our news app, whatever it might be. And instantly we are drawn into voices that want to draw us into twisting, a twist of the truth, lies and deception. Even the way that we should understand this world and view this world. 
There's so many voices that are drawing us into distorted truth. That's why it's so important for you and I. And if you hear nothing else on this sermon, hear this. It's so important for you and I to hit our knees and cry out to God for wisdom that we might be able to hear the one true voice, the voice of truth in the midst of all the other noise and all the other voices. Because look, it's not gonna get any better. The Bible says there would be a day where people are gonna buy into the lies. They're gonna buy into the distorted truth and there's gonna be a great falling away. There's gonna be people who turn their back on the word of truth, on the word of God, the one thing that they've stood on all their life. They're gonna turn their back on the truth and they're gonna follow the voices that have distorted the truth for so long. That's why you and I must cry out to God for wisdom. We must turn our hearts. We must incline our ear. We must search for it like silver. We must seek after it like hidden treasure. Wisdom is the thing that we must go after, that we must pursue so that we constantly stay grounded on the foundation of God's holy word. That's why it's so important. And so wisdom will save us from evil men who use perverted speech. But there's a second voice. Wisdom will save us from the forbidden woman who uses smooth words. This is the first time that we meet meet the forbidden woman in the book of Proverbs, but it won't be the last. She is in many times the, the subject of this father's warning for his son. She's the opponent of wisdom because she competes for the affection of the son. Her, her smooth and enticing words are meant to mimic, almost mock the words of the father in attempt to get the son to listen to her voice. She's a, she's a flatterer. She's a predator who lures her prey to death. If the son chooses to have an affair with the forbidden woman, it means that he's rejected the father's voice of wisdom and that he has taken the seductive bait of sin. He has rejected wisdom and he has fully embraced foolishness. You see, just as adultery is a, is a terrible distortion of godly marriage, embracing foolishness instead of wisdom is a terrible distortion of the relationship between us and our own heavenly father. As I said not long ago, we can't run with sin and still walk with the Father. And here's why, if you're taking notes, if our horizontal relationship with others is distorted, our vertical relationship with the Lord will be distorted. We can't live in sin with others. We can't have sinful relationships with others. We can't have sin that reigns in our life and still have a healthy relationship with the Father. What happens here, horizontally, will affect our relationship vertically with our Lord. So the wise father says, son, listen to me. There's a lot of other voices there, but listen to me. Turn your heart to me. Listen to only my voice. And when you do find godly wisdom, my wisdom will lead you, it says, it's gonna lead us somewhere. Wisdom is going to lead us on the paths of righteousness. That's what Solomon said. Wisdom leads us to the path of righteousness. That these other ways are going to lead us to death. But this one way, this way of wisdom leads us to righteousness. Okay? And that's so important because he says it's only the righteous 
It's only those who are upright, only those who are walking the way of wisdom, the way of the Lord. It's only them who will inhabit the land. You know what that means? That is a reference to when we inhabit eternal life with the Father in a homeland known as the new heaven and new earth. That's what that means. Those who walk the path of wisdom will be the ones who inhabit eternity with the Father. Not those who choose death, not those who choose to listen to twisted truth, not those who follow the seductive woman. They will not be there. Only those who walk the wisdom, walk the way of wisdom with the Lord Jesus Christ. And to make it clear, he goes on to say, but the wicked are those who have over and over and over again, without repentance, without care, without love of the Father, have followed the wrong voices, have followed the wrong messages. And again and again, they've chosen foolishness over wisdom. And he says, for them, they will experience the death of exile, which is a reference to eternal separation from Christ in a place known as hell. It's very clear. Wisdom leads us to life, life everlasting in the presence of the Father. Foolishness leads us to death and eternal separation from Christ. And it all begins with a pursuit of wisdom. It all begins with a foundation for wisdom. You, you may already know this, but the tallest building in the world is a building called the Burj Khalifa. It's in Dubai. Rises more than a half a mile into the air. It has 160 floors. It's as twice as tall as the Empire State Building. It's home to the world's fastest elevator that travels 40 miles an hour. The Burj Khalifa also hosts the world's highest outdoor observation deck on floor 124 and the world's highest swimming pool on floor 76. That sounds terrifying to me. <laughs> Many ask, how does a building of that size, a building that tall, how does it remain stable? Where the secret of the stability of this massive building is not in its complex design or its steel structure, it's actually found underground. It's actually found in its foundation. You see, before construction ever began up, it started by going down. Workers spent over a year just digging and pouring this massive foundation that would support this building. The foundation alone contains almost 60,000 cubic yards of concrete. The foundation weighs over 110,000 tons. The reason this building is so secure is because its foundation is solid. If you don't hear anything else from Proverbs chapter 2, hear this. When we turn our ear away from the voices of this culture, from the voices of this society, and we turn our ear to the voices of godly wisdom, when we ignore the voices of foolishness, there we will find the fear of the Lord, this, this awe, this awareness of who he is, 
And as we pursue the voice of wisdom, little by little, grain by grain, God will give us wisdom. And that wisdom will multiply over time. And really what's happening is we're building a firm foundation based on the wisdom of God and his word. And then when the storms come, when the disaster strikes, when life doesn't quite turn out the way we thought it was, or something comes out of nowhere, it, it, may, it may hurt, there may be some suffering, there may be a struggle, but the foundation will hold because it's built on wisdom the wisdom of God and his word. The reason the life is secure is because the foundation is solid. It begins with wisdom. It begins with understanding what voices you're listening to, what messages you're following. That's how we began this sermon. What voices are you listening to? There's a lot of voices in this world a lot of voices that tell you to chase after certain things, pursue after certain things, to look out for yourself, get what you want, get what you need. Behind those voices are, are messages that tell you not to worry about others, not to worry about what secret inside of you is not affecting anybody. What voices are you listening to? What messages are you following? There's really only one voice. Sometimes it's just a whisper, a still small whisper, but it's the voice of truth. And there's only one message and that's to follow Jesus to abundant life. And so this morning as we close, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond.